Hello and welcome to episode number 17 of the Authentic Path podcast. This is your host, Phelan Triggerman-Lash. And on today's episode, I interview Yuyu Kitamura. And Yuyu is an actress based in New York from Hong Kong. And she actually just moved back to Hong Kong. But on this episode, we dive deep into her acting journey and how she became an actress, what she's learned about the industry and how she wants to change the industry in the future, and everything about how she feels about her life and supporting people of color and women in the industry and wanting to just create a more diverse, powerful experience for people in the entertainment industry. It was a super interesting episode and I really enjoyed talking to her. I hope you enjoy. But before the show, I just want to give a little bit of shout out to my own coaching business, which I am loving. I am working with people to transform their lives and help them live their dreams. And my clients so far are seeing amazing success and they're doing what they never thought was possible. If you're interested in working with me, you can find me at phelan.com slash coach. I hope to see you there. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. Three, two, one, zero, zero. All right. Well, you, thank you for coming on the podcast. I'm super excited to chat with you and to hear your story. So just to get started, I would love to hear like a general overview of your childhood, because I think that's always a good place to start um, growing up in Hong Kong and then how that's brought you to where you are now. Yeah, great. So I grew up in Hong Kong. I was born there. Both of my parents are Japanese and my dad moved. My dad was also like me. Both of his parents were Japanese and he was born in Hong Kong. So I guess this is like the, the second generation of Japanese Hong Kong kids. Um, but I grew up in Hong Kong and my parents and I have an, my parent, I have an older brother. Let's start there. So I grew up in Hong Kong. It was my dad, my mom, my older brother and myself. And we were quite an active uh, family, I would say. Arts wasn't particularly a big topic in my home. It was mostly like sports and activities. Um, but that really fed into the family dynamics of just like constantly being competitive and driving and trying to achieve the very best you can. And Hong Kong is quite an international city. It is mainly um, an Asian culture, I would say, but you have a huge influence of the Brits because of a colonialism. Um, And so I would say Hong Kong is a bustling city where the East meets the West. And it is a very big financial hub of Asia. Um, And so that's why there's a lot of expats. And that is also why I believe there's a lot of international schools in Hong Kong. And so I was very fortunate enough to have um, an international education from a young age. And I think that's when arts was sort of brought into my life because we had it as a class ever since I was very young. And I found out that um, I loved performing and I loved being in art classes and music classes and I found real joy in it. And it was a type of joy that I didn't think um, I necessarily needed, but young little Yuyu would often find herself, you know, talking to herself, performing bits with herself, while everyone else in the family was kind of often doing their own thing. Um, And so I think that's when um, I realized I really was seeking a sense of adventure in something other than um, what was revolving around my house, which was sports. That's cool. What a cool story. So you went to international school then in Hong Kong. Nice. I have some friends who went to international school and I visited one of them. And it just seems like such a different experience than going to like a normal I mean, any, any other kind of school, because you have people from like all over the world. So I'm sure like you built a global community of friends and family friends from like a young age. What was that like being in like so many cultures? I think because I was exposed to it at such a young age, I didn't really see how different it was until I came to New York, which we can talk about a bit later. But, you know, often hearing other languages around you or different types of behaviors that are just like culturally ingrained seemed so normal. And I think that's why um, the thought of just like leaving Hong Kong felt safe. Like it didn't feel trapped there because you have people from all over the world. And so this idea of like a global community um, was just ingrained from such a young age. Yeah, that's super cool. I'll bet it like definitely changed your perspective on acting and creating too, just because you had like such a huge breadth of experience with all different kinds of people. But yeah, I can get into that. 
later more if you want. So, okay, so then you uh, were acting and you started like expressing yourself and doing just like skits and bits and just like creating from a young age, right? So were you recording stuff or were you just like creating by yourself or with friends? And how old were you when you did all that, like 13? Yeah, I mean, when I was younger, I would write a lot of stories in my notebooks and then read them out loud to myself. And I was sort of like the one man show. Um, including audience. It was just me, myself, and I. Love that. Um, <laughs> and I think what happened was my mom, I told, I had expressed to my mom, I was like, I no longer really want to be doing sports in a very competitive way. It wasn't giving me the same sort of happiness anymore. Um, and so she was like, okay, well, if that's the case, you need to put your energy somewhere else and you need to find it on your own. I'm not going to tell you what classes to take. Um, and I had always this passion of doing, um, of performing outside of school. And so I joined a youth theater group from the age of 13 um, up until the end of high school. And so that was a great way where I was very much finding my own path. Um, and I think I, like, I would drag my parents, my parents would come obviously, and I would drag my friends and have them see me perform. Um, and I think that's where it all kind of started. Just like a need to do something different that everyone else in my house was doing. Yeah. So do you think that you're the draw for you? Because you mentioned two different like inspirations for doing theater. One being it like just brought you more excitement and energy than, than sports, which is like what everyone else in your family was doing. But then also kind of on the rebellious side of like wanting to be different. Do you think that like both were like equally motivators for you growing up? Definitely. Both were motivators. And, and once um, I, once my two younger siblings also came into the picture, just being a middle child um, and being an older middle child, my parents were busier, you know, looking after them and trying to split their time. And I, and I think this is why I subconsciously wanted their attention. And if I was performing, they had to come and see me. And um, so I think those two drives and how they intersected fed into this passion which then really started paving the way of me seeing myself as a performer and wanting that as a career cool yeah I also loved what you talked about with your mom and how she said if you're not going to put this energy into sports like you have to put it into something else and I think that like that's a very athlete like that's an athlete mentality to have like this is what I'm doing and this is what I'm going to put my energy into 100% so do you think that growing up in a family of athletic high achievers like set the tone for your acting career and how much energy and time you put into that oh most definitely and I think that as well as just being Asian and having um an Asian you know a very like Asian dynamic at home it was you have to figure it out you know you have to be more than your education which I think that was slightly different compared to other Asian families where my parents cared about my education, but they also didn't entirely put that weight that I think a lot of Asian stereotypical families have. My mother wasn't a tiger mom in the sense of education, but more in the sense of ambition. Hmm. That's super cool. So then your ambition that you have and that you were born into the family of like ambitious people and your mom kind of developed into an authentic path, you, you would say, or I would say. So like how did that then transform your dreams and then bring you to the US? Like talk talk us through kind of why you saw yourself transitioning from Hong Kong to the US as like to do theater and to do film and all of that stuff. Um, well, when I was young, we had a lot, we didn't have a lot of content from the US, but we had very much a decent amount. And so things that I would find myself watching were definitely media from the Western side of the world. Um, and it was things that, you know, were really transformative and they showcased stories where you could be anything and do anything you want. And those were very much ingrained. And my school was a British school. Um, and it was really funny almost because the kids at my school would be like, you seem more American. And like, no one knows what that means really. You know, you just kind of say it. and. But a part of me felt like that. Um, and so a part of me from a very young age was like, I want to go to New York. I want to go to NYU. 
And I didn't know what either of those two things meant, but I think that was sort of the start of like me manifesting um, where I wanted to be in life and where I wanted to live as an adult. Um, And so all these things that I was doing um, in my like teenage years fed into the goal of getting into NYU. Um, And so I did a lot of extracurriculars where it wasn't just about acting, but also um, doing charity work, which is something that's really important to me. Um, And I think ultimately the first goal was getting out of Hong Kong and coming to the States. And then from there on, everything that I had done just sort of seemed to make sense and the path kind of opened up, if that makes sense. Mm, Yeah. Can you like dig into that and also just like manifestation a little bit more? Because those are both really interesting concepts of like when you throw yourself into your dreams and when you, and kind of the precursor to that is the manifestation phase of like realizing what your dreams are and then setting intentions and then the way opens. But that's like a really cool concept. So just dig in a little bit. I think it's much easier when you're younger because you don't have the weight of reality on your shoulders. And so every dream has a place and it has value. And with that naivety of being a child, you think you can do anything. And so that was really the start of it all. And, you know, my mom, my mother's always said, like, if you have something that you want to do and you figure it out, you can do it. Um, And so once I had told myself from a young age, I want to go to NYU without understanding that you have to study for, you know, like getting into a good school and like what you need. um, It just slowly sort of started building and building and building. And I realized that, you know, a lot of Asian stereotypes, grades are sort of the central focus of it. But I think when I was exposed from a young age to just the Western world and having that idea that you know, you're not just your grades, you are a person in it. And that matters. Um, that's when I realized that, okay, like from a young age, I said, I wanted to go to NYU. I don't really understand why I said that, but I want it. And so if I want it, how can I do it? And then you just kind of figure it out if your dreams matter to you and they have weight, you can do it. If you at least try, you know, like at least try, um, but you have to have an inkling, sort of like the inner whisper, and it has yep. to come from somewhere before you even manifest it, I think. And if you lead into it, if you lean into that whisper, then the things that sort of come into your life, if you see it as an opportunity and you take it, I think it can lead you to um, the path that you want to be going on. Yeah, totally. How did you get past the like fear that always comes up along the way. Cause just like, I don't know, maybe map this out. It's like number one, inner whisper. Number two, like listen to the inner whisper manifest. And then it's just like so much fear, right? Or I don't know if that happened to you, but I think it happens to a lot of people. Right. I think fear, I look at it in two ways. If it's a type of fear that excites me, if there's something exciting about the outcome of that, then that's when I'm like, that should be something that I should pursue. I think fear is very much natural in any sort of um, industry or just for your personal growth. But it's a matter of if you're ready at that time to delve into the fear, then the outcome of it, whether it's what you wanted or not, should be rewarding in some sense. But if a part of you isn't even ready to explore that, hence why the fear comes up, then I think that it's a little bit more of personal growing that needs to take place. Hmm. And I think ultimately, you know, we, like, you know, your fears, I know my fears and we know what we're capable of. And it's a matter of, are you ready to jump? Totally. Yeah. That's like an an incredible mindset that I have been working on um, bringing into my own life. It's a lifelong journey. Yeah. Right. It's a long journey. Yeah. Dude, it is. And also just like nurturing the mindset is Mm -hmm. so like, that's just like an everyday task to like, completely tell yourself what you just explained to me you know like Mm -hmm. about your fears and if they're the right kind of fears or if it's a personal growth or if you Mm -hmm. should transform into excitement it's just like yeah so what does that look like for you on like a day-to-day basis of just like keeping your mindset the way you want it to be because I think you have a great perspective on the world um 
keeping my mindset the way I want it to be. Right. Like how to tend your inner space. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it for me personally is as someone who is more creatively um, sort of, my brain is more wired creatively. If I don't have an out, if I don't have a, a way that I can express the fear or a way that I can, you know, figure out my troubles in a creative setting, it sort of collapses internally. Um, there's a, a very, like your body and mind, I think is telling you something, especially when fear arises at a thought of something, it's very much fight or flight. Um, but for me personally, I enjoy writing poetry. I enjoy taking photos. Um, I love creating playlists for just, you know, very different moods Same. that I have and things like that. And I think being surrounded by something creative helps me feel at ease a lot of the times. Yeah, I can totally agree with that. I think like just having a creative outlet to let out the the like runoff from the challenge that you do mm-hmm. that we have on the inside, like all of that self-work leaves this like like creative energy that's just like needs to get out in order to keep growing. And I think like having mm-hmm. those outlets is such a such an important thing, especially for creatives. But I think if everyone was honest with themselves, they everyone would be a creative person. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't think anyone isn't it's just some people choose to do it and some people don't Mm -hmm. and some people enjoy you know having a more sort of logical or like a sign like I feel the brain is just wired differently um and I think people find joy in different things and so having a joy in something and like putting your passion to use I think can really nourish that sort of mind yeah for sure Um, Okay, so just to finish off your story and Mm -hmm. kind of wrap it up with like where you are today and what you're doing, can you just explain like, so you're at NYU or you finished NYU Mm -hmm. um, and then what are your, yeah, what has that experience been like and where are you at now? Yeah, so I went to NYU and I went to the Tisch School for Acting um, and I graduated last year. And since graduation, I've been on the hustle as an actor, um, really sort of doing you know, the side gig, the day job that like no one's really happy to be doing while trying to find a balance um, and continue more moving forward as an actor and hustling with projects um, across the board with different mediums, which has been really exciting. Cool. What kind of projects are you working on? At the moment, I have a play coming up um, later in the week called Mommy Milk Cafe. And obviously with our current situation with COVID, it'll be online and it'll be a reading. And we have four women, it's about four women in a New York City cafe as they sort of figure out the tensions that build from gossiping about one another. Um, And I think it's gonna be interesting because it's such a New York City culture thing of just people constantly talking about one another. Um, And I think in light of everything happening, it has an interesting take on being empathetic and sympathetic towards other people's situations. Yeah, that's cool. Um, I'm just curious, because I have not really done much acting in my life, like, but my dad and my stepmom are both actors. How do you think, yeah, how do you think it, like transforms your personal perspective in life and your ability to have empathy to have played roles of people who are different than yourself? Yeah, I think I'm not going to speak for all actors because I like earlier, the mind is wired differently, but acting has really been a great way where these stories that are given to you, give you an outlook at a different person's perspective of life, which then I think helps your personal growth because you're able to even see another point of view. Um, And I think a lot of the times we as just people, we're very much um, a group of people, a group like the world, I think runs as a community where we want to be talking. We are very social creatures and having the, um, I'm going to start over with this question. Can you say it Yeah, go for it. Um, I was just wondering like how your uh, experience as an actor has helped you have more empathy for different kinds of people because of playing different roles, Mm -hmm. if it has. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
So the stories that I'm given as an actor, it's my job to portray them authentically. It's my job to portray them honestly. And I think it's my job to do the best that I can in telling these stories that other people have written for me to perform. And in doing so, I have to put, I have to put myself in another person's perspective, which then gives me a whole new outlook on life. And I think having all these collective experiences builds my empathy because I'm then able to connect with people on a level that I didn't, you, you as a person didn't have the opportunity to experience. Right. Yeah. It's kind of like reading books exactly. or watching a movie, just like mm-hmm. you get inside the head. Yeah. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I wanted to jump back to that you mentioned that you're passionate about is doing um, like charity work. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to see like what kind of charity work you are excited about and what you have put your energy into. Mm-hmm. So as I said, briefly, I have younger siblings and they're far younger than I am. Um, And also with my parents always um, prioritizing education or the opportunity to go learn, those two um, worlds really intersect. And what I would wish to be able to do one day is to provide children with better education or a more global education, whether that be, you know, connecting them with different people or different um, networks and giving them a chance to see another, you know, community, another culture. Um, And I think it's important because children are so, their minds are so feeble. And I, yes, yes. And I think this, the sooner we start with um, trying to make sure that every child has the opportunity to A, get a proper education, B, I think it's important to teach them empathy from a very young age. Um, Just because they are all, they're the next generation, you know, every generation of kids, they are the next generation. And I think once we start implementing more empathy and learning, I'm hoping and praying that we, you know, create a global sense of that empathy that the world is really lacking right now. Yeah. That's awesome. This is like super in line with some of my own passions and just like Mm -hmm. wanting to, bring people together right because Mm -hmm. like in my experience traveling around the world like everyone is just trying to live their life and be happy and provide for their kids and like there's no one who's out there to like get you you know Mm -hmm. even though like in so much of at least like American society or like growing up in a small town and having people around me who haven't done much traveling like everyone is so closed off to the possibilities that like the rest of the world could just be normal you know Mm -hmm. and could just be like it is here and I think that like like you're saying bringing children together in the opportunity to grow and have empathy and like a more global broad experience is so cool Mm -hmm. so props I'm all for that and I would want you know whatever this charity work be it's about these kids it's not about like kids to adults or kids to like conglomerates, it's children to children. And Mm. I want them to see that there's someone out there that is the same age, you know, maybe has similar or completely different backgrounds. But I think once they connect from a young age, that can grow into something more. Yeah, totally. So how does your, how does that like vision for what you want to affect in the world, like correlate with your passions and your like actor and writer careers that you're building? Mm -hmm. Can you see them all like coming together? In a sense, yes, um, because I think at a young age, we are all exposed to media. At a, you know, For children, there's children programming. For adults, you know, we have shows, we have advertising, whatnot. But I think representation in media is extremely important because it's the way it's... You don't want children to grow up thinking that they can't do anything or yes. they can't be seen in media and their stories aren't being told and being told accurately. Yeah, um, totally. And so I think with those two intersections, what needs to come out more of the entertainment industry specifically is, um, I would like to say like honest stories, but it that's such a, that's a bigger concept in itself. But I think it stems from having a diverse group of people on the creative side not just in terms of like the actors and artists Mm, and writers, but people in the room that can write those stories that can then be translated into screen, into books, into music, into whatnot. 
Yeah, that's a perspective I hadn't thought about before. Because, like, for me, you know, as an Asian American, it's been frustrating, like, looking at Hollywood and the movies everyone's watching and being, Mm -hmm. like, there are no Asian leads except for in, like, samurai movies or kung fu or, like, crazy rich Asians. And just, like, there's Mm -hmm. not... Like, every... I've noticed this with, with, like, with Black actors and actresses, too, is, like, with every leading actor or actress who's a person of color like that part of their identity is brought into the story but it's never just like a person who is who's not white who's just a normal person in a in a movie you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and I feel like that's like like there is the reality that like every person of color deals with that in their lives but there's also just like we're just people right so it's like Mm -hmm. I wish there were more representation in the actors and actresses but like you're saying like that's not going to happen unless the back end is there too Mm -hmm. so that's super cool like a show for me that was extremely transformative was glee you know i thought this is a show about misfits and their love for performing and we had two asian characters on that show we had mike chang and tina Gong chang you know played by harry shum jr and oh i'm blanking on her name but ultimately like these two people. We had one Asian girl in the main cast. Her story was never told. And she was also represented to be this meek, quiet girl. And I thought, yeah. you know, it, it, at the time, I couldn't understand what was really being presented to me. I was like, hey, there's an Asian girl, but I'm watching all the other characters because her story was never told. Right. And it, as I'm now older and you know, as an actor who's professionally trying to do this, I see the flaw in that. And I see that what was happening was she was just a diversity check, which is deeply upsetting because our stories are just as valuable as other people's stories, you know, and they're different. And I think that they have a space in this world. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Is that, so is that, has this been like a frustration slash a challenge for you being in like the film industry Mm -hmm. as an Asian international student or international person? Completely. Like, I don't want to be cynical about change. I really think in order to start changing the system at hand, you know, I mean, if there's an Asian actor on the show, like that's a progression. We're moving forward. But that being said, sometimes I feel like in Hollywood or even in advertising, you know, being woke and having that diversity check it just feels so uh, uncomfortable, forced. And it's their way of just putting a stamp saying, no, we're here with you. Like we hear what you're saying. And yet we still don't really see our stories being told. And it's only now once people are demanding it and actually showing their, you know, frustrations with what we're seeing that our voices are finally being told. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I think is, is interesting is like YouTube and social media and TikTok and like the Mm -hmm. self-made creator movement, because I think that gives Mm -hmm. a platform to a lot of people who wouldn't have had it otherwise, because Hollywood and capitalism and all of that is like, you know, systemically racist. So it's Mm -hmm. like, and the people who are leading it are all like old white guys, basically. Mm -hmm. But if Mm -hmm. you look at like, I mean, YouTube and TikTok are not ideal, but like having a platform that allows you as just like any person to put Mm -hmm. stuff out there is really cool. Do you think that that's like changing the game? I hope so. And I do think so. Um, Like the first person that comes to mind um, is Liza Koshy and she was um, a YouTuber and she started her platform sort of in like the comedy vlogging sort of world as like an influencer. And yesterday I saw her in a trailer for a new Netflix show. Like, I think that those two worlds are bleeding because one, you know, we're all seeking content in different forms. And two, once you have sort of an elevated status or producers are seeing that, you know, people are watching their content, then they get brought in. Um, which then hopefully, you know, diversifies the story and the audience and like a whole new demographic, but it also, it hurts because I understand that, you know, in order for producers to even, you know, think of other people and other diversity, diversified, um, talent, they need some sort of platform. 
just in terms of a business aspect of it. And I get that, but it also seems like it's this weird push and pull of like needing to be so and so popular in order to be seen and heard. And then the type of stories that they're telling seem almost, you know, filtered through all these other people who are then producers and like where the money comes from and all this. So like, I hope, you know, we're not just hearing the same stories of people who are successful, but also people who are up and coming people who are um, of completely different background and not just your typical like Asian stories or Asian stereotypes. Yeah, totally. Um, One of the things that's, that's interesting that I was just thinking about today is like the chicken and egg problem of like, you need to get popular before you can get the kinds of interactions that get Mm -hmm. traction to get popular. Right. Which Mm -hmm. is like kind of, you know, you and I are both fans of the third door, which is like, Mm -hmm. that's kind of the other way of doing it. But Mm -hmm. even knowing like that, it's still so challenging because the system is so set up to like let in the people that have already been let in by their past generations family, Mm -hmm. you know, and just like breaking into the, the realm of success is really hard. It is extremely hard. And, uh, I've picked a career path where that's really all it is. (laughs) So I think sort of going back to um, thinking about, you know, things that I've learned and like my upbringing and like the competitive side of it is like, I understand all these obstacles that are put in place in front of me. And it's just the constant um, drive for me is my mother telling me that if you want it, if you can find a way and you can do it, you can do it, you know, but it's yeah. just a matter of taking one obstacle at a time, especially in this industry where we see different trends of what's popular, what's accepted, um, changing. And it's a very hard path to navigate, but right. we are here navigating it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One of the things that I was going to ask you about is like how you literally how you navigate your life and like how you set the direction that you're taking right now. So when you say like the next obstacle, like how do Mm -hmm. you, do those like self-select into your life? Like right now the obstacle is like, how do I stay in the U S right. And Mm -hmm. not get Mm -hmm. like, have to go back to Hong Kong, but like, or to Japan, where would you have to go back to? At this point in my life, my obstacles are quite um, logical and they're very much, they're not sort of vague obstacles. My first obstacle is I need to figure out how to get another visa. What do I need to do that? I need this, this, and this sort of for the requirement of applying for the visa. Um, And I think that is also (laughs) both challenging and um, exciting in their own ways because it's making me think outside of the box of like how I have to really navigate this obstacle. Um, And so in terms of this whole visa situation, it's hard because also in the acting world, you know, you would think that in the states if you could work right you should be able to apply for the jobs and the roles because you can work you can legally work and yet with specific types of visas it seems like that really doesn't matter once they hear that you're really not from the states I've been in rooms and I've met casting directors and agents where they've told me oh your visa actually doesn't matter oh, your visa isn't strong enough. I'm like, well, I can legally work in the country. You know, my visa isn't a green card or an artist visa, but it should legally let me work here. And yet I face that that type of discrimination, which is, I understand it, but it's also very detrimental to, you know, someone who is aspiring to do something. Yeah, and to the community as a whole, Mm -hmm. too, like we talked about before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, dang, that sucks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry about that. I mean, it is what it is at this point. Um, I feel like, you know, with the current political um, situation happening over here, I think that has also evolved and gotten worse. Hmm. Because when I first came to the States during my time at NYU, my first year was the Obama administration. And then, you know, we got turned over and it's now the Trump administration, but just seeing that, you know, change of mentality of how people view or how Americans view outsiders, it was an immediate shift that then sort of 
had a domino effect into other things um, within the States, I think also specifically in terms of like auditioning for roles and actors. Hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, even though it doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. Yeah, um, cool. So another thing that I'm curious about for you is a concept we learned about uh, in the mentor group that we're both a part of is like exponential long-term planning, which is like mm-hmm. one of the most interesting things to me. So having like a one to two year plan, a three to four year mm-hmm. plan, and then a five to seven year plan. Mm-hmm. Have you thought about like those things and what you Completely. want in each of those categories? I'm just like really <laughs> curious. Yeah. Um, one, this also kind of leads back into the whole idea of manifestation. Yeah. The way that I set this up for myself, it's things that I know are doable. I can do this if I put my mind to this. And so my first, you know, my one to two year plan is figuring out how to get back to the States in terms of like the ways of applying for a visa. And if I hopefully get the visa and I'm back in New York, um, within the third to fourth year of my plan, I want to be on a television show. Um, and I want to have a, either a recurring role or a lead role and build a career in that, which leads on to other projects. Um, my main goal is to be on a TV series as a series regular. And my five to seven year plan from then on is like once I've started building my connections and my network and my credibility as an actor, I would then like to start producing because I think that's when I can really dictate what stories that I want to put my time and invest in so other people can see it. And the biggest dream I have out there for myself is to start my own production company where I can then um, have a larger say and actually try and change the entertainment industry at hand by hiring and creating stories with Asian creatives. Cool. Yeah, so cool. I'm just like sitting here and I'm so excited because, you know, what you said at the beginning of these are things that you know you can do if you put your mind to it. Mm-hmm. I think that that list of goals that you put out, a lot of people would not think that they could do mm-hmm. if they set their mind to it, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like just the fact that you think you can do it means you can do it. And mm-hmm. so I'm really excited to see you do it because that's I mean, gonna be awesome. It's wonderful to, s- I know I can do it because people have done it. Yeah. And I think that's where a lot of my inspiration and my need and my drive to do this stems from. Because, I mean, Margot Robbie is barely 30 and she has her own production company. And you see her in these amazing roles that she is, you know, really compiled for herself, yeah. which is showcased in her work. Um, and I was recently listening to a podcast with Sandra O oh on it, who I'm deeply inspired by. I think her work is phenomenal. But she was saying a towards the end of the interview, how once she created um, credibility for herself, more Asian creatives started flocking to her, asking her for her input and for Mm. her help. And she has gladly taken that. And she said that, you know, she's on the works of trying to bring other stories and bring other people's work to light. And I think those are the types of things that I hear and I see And I'm hoping that this is just the start of a long journey and a change, um, a long journey of change in the entertainment industry. That A, more women are open and very much eager and ready to be at the forefront of creating their own work. Totally. Love that. Yeah. I'm like really stoked about your (laughs) life. It's going to be cool. Um, Awesome. Well, I'm just curious about like, what advice you would have for other people who want to pursue a career in the way that you're doing it, which is not so direct, but is kind of outside the box and the hustle and the grind. Like what advice do you Mm -hmm. have for people like who are doing that with their time? The world of acting is truly a strange, strange universe because there are those stories where you hear where people are like, I was found in a coffee shop and I was scouted in this. And then there are people who have also, you know, put their time and energy and money into their own work and their own career. And I think it's hard because if it was like a banking job, you would be like, go to school, do the internships, you know, like, and you'll get to the position that you want to be in. And I think with acting, it's a, it's very much a collaborative experience. The one thing that I'm really happy I was able to do is collaborate with a lot of Asian creatives and 
be at the forefront of also their career. Um, they're also just starting. And the fact that we all collaborated together, it really created a sense of community. And so I would say, find your people, um, stick with the hustle. It's not easy. It's extremely difficult, both psychologically, emotionally, like financially, it's a hard path. And so I think it's one thing to take acting classes and find interest in it. I think if you really want to commit to a career, you have to be ready for a lifetime of no's and a lifetime of rejection. And, um, you know, I used to hear advice from other actors saying it and I'd be like, yeah, like they say that because they're successful and they can look back on it, but it is hard. And so you have to be committed. Yeah. I actually think those are like the two best pieces of advice. Like number one, find your tribe and number two, don't give up. Mm -hmm. Like, so powerful it's so cliche but it's also once you're in it you're like I understand why they say it yeah you really do totally and one of the things I've been realizing like talking to a lot of musicians recently is that a lot of musicians will come out with with music and it will be you know their name right Mm -hmm. but then when you dig into everyone behind the album or behind the song Mm -hmm. it's just like there are Mm -hmm. tens and hundreds of people who have all like come together to release music under this one person's name Mm -hmm. and I think that's like it applies to all different kinds of the authentic path of like acting, music, entrepreneurship, like whatever it is, you can't do it by yourself. It's all about having other people around. Exactly. Exactly. And I think ultimately like, um, one thing that we heard in, um, one of the mentoring sessions, I want to get this quote correctly because I think it's really sort of shifted the way that I want to be perceived in my work is um let's see yes so Arturo Nunez had said you know that he wants to work with people that aim to celebrate with you and not just tolerate you Hmm. and I think that's why working with Asian creatives is so important to me because I've been in rooms and I've been in projects where I was the diversity check I felt like and it felt like people were just tolerating me but ultimately I want a career and a journey where I can look back and really feel like I was a part of something bigger than myself. Yeah, totally. Um, something you just said brought this like old memory to me. Did you ever watch Wong Fu Productions on YouTube? Yes, I did. Okay, they're awesome. They should, are like, awesome. You should see if you can work with them or something. I know. I've submitted myself for like just like their open calls and stuff. And they do great work because they like highlight Asian creatives but also like they give them stories that aren't just centered around the stereotype like they are stories that everyone can relate to but just seeing an Asian person as a main character has so much weight that I don't think our brains have understood because we've we've just been so used to seeing white people or like other groups of people as the main characters and it is a really powerful effect and they are a great um, production company yeah they're super cool. Mm-hmm. When you were talking about like being around an Asian collective of actors mm-hmm. and actresses, I was like, oh, <laughs> there's no, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's really interesting what you were just touching on too. Like last night I watched um, a movie, I don't remember the name, on Netflix because it, it wasn't a very good movie. But <laughs> while I was watching it, I was like, all of these people are white. Like everyone in this movie is white. Mm-hmm. Like I actually watched two movies and both, both, like everyone in them were white. And I was just like, this is like so unacceptable. And I think that like four years ago, I wouldn't have noticed, but like the, the transition has been so rapid in culture and in our society and in especially young people recently that it's just like, you know, I used to love, um, uh, oh my gosh, what is, oh, love actually like that used to be a movie that I really liked, but mm-hmm. I watched it with my housemates recently and we were like, wow, this movie is like really insensitive and inappropriate and like just kind of fucked up. And it's crazy how quickly things have changed. So that gives me hope, I think. What you said is really interesting because you said that, you know, four years ago, or it's been within the past five years, I would say, um, that the need for diversity has really come to the forefront of, you know, the audience and like their perspective of what we're watching. Yeah, we want it, yeah. Exactly, we want it. And yet we still see stories where that's not happening. And so there's this sort of... uh, disconnect with collab with creators and audience and the fact that people who are creating these stories still sort of don't get it I'm like what more do you need right what what and so that's why 
it's important that we as Asian people are creating our own stories. Totally. Yeah. I actually have a thought for you. I'm just like, I know that having credibility and being an, an actor and all of that stuff is like really important, but just from what I've heard in this conversation, it seems like you could just like skip that, start a production agency and bring together a bunch of like really talented, like people who are mm-hmm. of all like nationalities and of all like shapes and sizes and colors, like, and then create awesome art with mm-hmm. them. You know? I mean, definitely. Yes. At this current moment in time for myself with everything happening, right? but that is something that it is on my mind because I mean, you know, I'm, I've, taken what I've experienced in the U.S. and like over quarantine I wrote my first feature and I'm hoping to one day develop that and actually showcase it because I think it's a really interesting take on a conversation about the visa situation that we don't ever see in the media Um, and so that's another um, exponential long-term planning goal of mine. Cool yeah (laughs) a lot going on one of the things that I've noticed is like as I let my excitement roam free in life and it just like latches on to a bunch of things I'm like oh that potential future is actually really good and then I'm like oh that other potential future is really good too and like so is that third one but then Mm -hmm. how do I like do all of them you know and that's been a question I've been pursuing a lot recently I mean I think that also stems like you you know you have creative passions and they all kind of um might be different but also might intersect but I think all in all like they all feed into you you know Faelin as a person like they add substance to who you are and they're just different avenues but who's to say that those avenues have to be so separate I think if you're learning something from every single you know project that you have going on ultimately once you're there and once you're ready something will come out of it where all of it comes together and you can collaborate all of your thoughts and ideas and figure out a way to express all of them. Yeah, absolutely. I tend to like not share my own thoughts that much on the podcast, but this Mm -hmm. is like exactly an idea that I had a while ago of your life being a blank canvas. And as you experience different things from, from birth onward, your canvas is like filled in with bubbles and the bubbles will like grow and grow. Mm -hmm. And they're each like labeled with something. And then eventually you'll have like seven bubbles that all overlap in one spot And that's when you are like a unique person. And so being a generalist is not actually that bad because eventually you're going to find that one overlap of all of these different bubbles. And then that's like a new bubble that's Mm -hmm. created that's never been created before by anyone else. And then you can specialize in something that no one else understands. Mm -hmm. And it's like a super unique path. And I think that so many people get caught up in like the generalist specialist like um, dichotomy, but it's actually like wrong and you should just do whatever you want. (laughs) For sure. And I think when you are creatively, you know, wired that way, I don't like how people expect you to sit in this one bubble. You know, like if you are a podcaster, they expect you to only be passionate about podcasting and about the world of that. But who is to say, like, you are a person, you are growing, you are more than allowed to have different passions and like how you put all of them together is only just going to be a culmination of your journey as a person. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like, goes back to what you were talking about at the beginning of wanting to bring children together with like other global children to get them to have more empathy and understanding and experience. And it's the same. It's like diversity of people is the same as diversity of experiences. And so Mm -hmm. having like differing experiences right now, I'm like working at a pizza place, you know, like as just a side job, but it's like brought me a lot of stuff that I never even thought about, you Mm -hmm. know, like how to run a restaurant, how to like best toast bread you the know, joy like, of food and yeah, maybe exactly. a podcast you can have a season on food like totally yeah and it's just like the more I do and the more you do like the more it all comes together I think so it's really cool mm-hmm. exactly yeah so just a, I want to like wrap up so we don't go too long and I don't keep you because you seem really busy but uh to you this is a question I always ask what does authenticity mean <sighs> that's a lifelong question um and I think it's finding finding a way to be unapologetically yourself you know not really listening to what you need not just what you want but what you need for yourself and um I honestly think it's just the excitement of life like letting it take you places like like stop living in constraints of what people think you should be doing and figuring out what's best and what you need for your soul yeah and being while doing all that, like being kind, being kind goes a really long way. Totally agreed. 
Good answer. Mm -hmm. Um, So for you then, how do you keep track of your own authenticity? Like, how do you know you're doing it? One, I think it's questioning, you know, am I doing the best for myself in terms of my career and in terms of where I see myself? I don't really... What's really good is I'm surrounded with people who will keep me in check sometimes and who will tell me when um, things don't always seem like I'm doing it for myself or I'm doing it, you know, for the best purposes. Um, And so I think surrounding yourself with good company helps and also constantly thinking like, is this helping my ambition and my dream? If it changes, it changes, but ultimately like, attacking your dream with a hundred percent of who you are. Totally. Love that. Um, and then just to share some of like your, where people can find you or mm-hmm. where you want to like get into contact. And then honestly, just for you, like what can guests do to help you and other people right now who are like international people living mm-hmm. in America? Well, you can find me on Instagram at UUKit with two T's or my website, UUKit.com. Um, I think Right now, what would really help just being, you know, someone who is international in the States is being open to having conversations, especially if it makes you uncomfortable, can go a long way. We don't really realize how ingrained some of our thoughts are until you have a conversation, until you allow yourself to think about someone else's perspective in all of this. And I think that, you know, would really help. Cool. Good answer. Well, thank you so much, you for coming on the show. It was such a pleasure to hear your story and talk about thank the future you. of the world. <laughs> thank you for having me. Everyone should dream big. And I'm excited to keep listening to your podcast. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Authentic Path podcast. It was a joy to talk to you, you, and I really think she is one of the most inspirational people. When we really got talking about how we want to change the world, it was a super, super powerful conversation. So I hope you enjoyed. And as always, be you, stay authentic, go do something today that scares you, and I hope you have an amazing day. (music) 